Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live. On Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDF students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. And yes, it does. Thank you, J. Michael Collins, for that intro. And if his voice sounds familiar, there's a reason for that. If you've ever gone to the movies, there is a high probability that he is a guy you heard coming from the big screen during the upcoming attractions, as well as the voice for many of the uh, movie trailers uh, that you hear. How do you feel? An ordinary man becomes a legend. And as well as a voice from a ton of TV and radio commercials, including Disney, ESPN, TNT, McDonald's, NASCAR, Nike, Domino's, Pizza, Sony, Toys R Us, and just a whole bunch more. So we're very honored to have the talent of J. Michael Collins as our announcer right here on Truth About Trucking Live. You can read more about him at jmcvoiceover.com. And our show this evening is brought to you in part by Hodjon Incorporated. And as you know, they are the company that makes the Dynasys APU, owner-operators and fleet owners. You've heard me talk about these guys before, and they've figured out a way to not only make you comfortable but save you money as well. Because since the Dynasys APU saves fuel and provides, uh, you know, the air conditioning, heating, plug-in power, all those little things that it's nice to have when you're stopped, it's definitely the smart way to be comfortable and save money. And since they know that times are still tough and that credit's hard to come by, Dynasys has actually launched a new program where they're self-financing their units. And the program is designed to make payments cost about half of what you're spending in fuel with the goal of making APUs available to every hardworking driver out there. So if you've ever considered an APU but thought you just couldn't afford it, uh, you need to talk to the Dynasys guys about this new program. You can call and talk to one of their people and find out how they can even get you hooked up with grants that can cover APU cost as well. So give them a shout. Call them at 1-800-289-8282. Again, that number toll-free, 1-800-289-8282, or go online at hodjohn.com. That's H-O-D-Y-O-N.com, or you can just Google search Dynasys APU. And... Um, well, thanks for tuning in with us this evening as we'll be discussing once again uh, NAFTA, uh, giving a more recent update on this issue with our guest, Rich Wilson, a regulatory expert with Trans Products and Trans Services. 
their website, transproducts.com. And Richard has been on our show several times now, and he's the uh, go-to guy for understanding all these regulations that keeps coming at the trucking industry. And he was recently at the MCSAC meeting in Washington, D.C. That's the Motor Carrier Safety Advisory Committee. And he will be our NAFTA insider this evening on Truth About Trucking Live because, you know, we hear both sides about the good NAFTA will do and on the other side the bad that NAFTA will cause. So, I mean, which is it? President Obama proclaimed victory at the signing of the cross-border agreement, saying that it was a good thing for uh, uh, both countries. especially pleased to announce that after nearly 20 years, we finally have found a clear path to resolving the dispute over trucking between our two countries. I thank President Calderon and his team, as well as my transportation secretary, Ray LaHood, and our U.S. Trade Representative, Ambassador Ron Kirk, for reaching this proposed agreement. I look forward to consulting with Congress and moving forward in a way that strengthens the safety of cross-border trucking, lifts tariffs on billions of dollars of U.S. goods, expands our exports to Mexico, and creates jobs on both sides of the border. But within the same party, Representative Dennis Kucinich, Democrat out of uh, Ohio, says that this just uh, isn't the case. bad idea because NAFTA was written specifically to drive down wages. I mean, Ross Perot was right. When he warned America that we were going to lose millions of jobs, he was 100% right. He knew what the Democrats at that point weren't ready to say, and that is that NAFTA was going to cause America to lose millions of jobs because wages would, uh, because manufacturers, corporations would seek other countries where wages were lower, where workers didn't have any rights at all, where they could make a bigger profit. So our call-in number is 347-826-9170, and we'll discuss more on NAFTA updates with our special guest, Rich Wilson of transproducts.com, coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. CSA and all the regulations facing drivers in the industry, it's never been more important to stay up on current regulations and more specifically, remain in constant compliance. Compliance for drivers and the industry has never been more crucial. Hey everybody, this is Alan Smith of Truth About Trucking Live and Trans Products and Trans Services are your full service transportation material compliance supply and regulatory service provider since 1957. Dedicated to servicing your needs, not emptying your wallet, it's hard enough in these tough economic times to have to spend money to meet regulatory requirements. But with trans products, trans service friendly, sound advice, quality products, and friendly personal attention, 
They will make you feel like you have a friend and colleague in the industry. From logbook auditing to driver qualification file management, fuel tax filing to UCR filings from on-site training, technical service, you name it, Trans Services is like having an entire regulatory agency working just for you. And the what, when, why, and how to comply without total interruption of daily operations. So contact Trans Products or Trans Services and Night Leather for more information and a free catalog. Just give them a call, toll free, 1-800-367-9100 or check them out on the web at transproducts.com and request more information about products and services. Highly recommended. They've been doing it for 19, since 1957. They are the experts, transproducts.com. All right, and our guest, Rich Wilson of transproducts.com. Richard, welcome back to the show. Right, good evening, everybody. How are you doing tonight? How are you doing, Alan? Oh, I'm hanging in there, and uh, I think Donna's somewhere in here. Yeah. Hey, Donna. Yeah, hi, Rich. How are you doing? Good, on. <laughs> <laughs> Donna's been running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah, I know. I had to talk to her a couple times, and trust me, I now know what it's like to talk to a chicken with their head cut off. <laughs> oh well, I tell you, tell us a, uh, tell us a little more about this MCSAC meeting. What was this all about? Uh, it was a meeting that basically they were supposed to go over four topics. The um, give you a little background on the MixAC organization or, or committee. It's a committee appointed by the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration from a group of stakeholders, which is about. 70% law enforcement and 30% uh, people like OIDA, ATA, um, advocates for highway safety, um, and they get together and they have um, basically these meetings and they discuss um, basis for regulatory and up-and-coming regulations and different things like that. Some of the topics discussed were like uh, elect wireless transmission of electronic data from EOBRs, uh, they were supposed to have a medical, but it was canceled Monday because of Irene. Uh, then they were supposed to have a um, meeting or a discussion on um, standards of grading on weighted violations with CSA. That got canceled. So they basically talked about the wireless, and they talked about the long-haul pilot program of the U.S.-Mexican border, which turned out to be <clears throat> rather heated discussion on a lot of points, um, and they and they set up the base establishment of exactly what um, the requirements are for Mexican trucks coming into the United States, uh, the vehicle requirements, the driver requirements, and um, you know what the, what the Mexican carriers are going to have to go through to be able to come into the United States, and as and as of date, <clears throat> there's only been. Uh, three approved carriers uh, that have passed it um, out of six that have applied so far, and one carrier has four trucks and one carrier has six trucks. Is that right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I saw where three had been uh, had applied. I uh, didn't know if all three of them had been, you know, accepted or not. I mean, is this uh, kind of surprised me a little bit? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it did or not. I mean, you know, we've been talking about 
the you know what I thought was the strict regulations that were going to be part of it. I mean, um, what was the overall tone there of the meeting? I mean, they the applications are they thinking that they're going to be you know increasing here soon or what was the overall tone well the the carriers that have applied so far are basically border carriers that are running around the borders themselves right now one's out of baja california um and then the other one is out out of uh, or is out of tijuana but but they have another terminal in baja california California and the other one, I, I don't understand the abbreviations for the states because there's like six letters, but wherever it's from. <laughs> um, but um, the general consensus is, and and the, um, the 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 program that they have to go through and the phases that they have to go through. I'll give you a little give you a little background on it. Um, the pilot program is going is not to exceed three years, so this is a set has an expiration date. Um, the phase program stage one was provisional authority and a three month operating window. Stage two is three months uh, to get to the compliance review, and then stage three is <clears throat> going to be a post satisfactory compliance review to see if um, they have met their criteria. Um, you know they're going to uh, the, then. Then the office of the inspector general is going to report back to Congress at the end of three years with the information that's gathered from the pilot program. It is just a pilot program right now, and anybody that's uh, from Mexico that is applying for this and passes will be monitored. And at the end of three, you know once they're into it, and 18 months to the end of the three years, if they apply and they're accepted their cross-border authority will become permanent. Well, I mean, Donna, or don't you find that, don't that surprise you a little bit that only three has applied, or what, six I'm has applied? I'm shocked. I'm totally shocked is what it is. Um, on the other hand, I mean, not that I thought that there was going to be such a huge influx coming in, but rather um, just more than three. I was uh, more in line thinking that, most of the people um, applying would have been um, American companies who are domiciled here in the U.S. who have um, their, uh, another company in Mexico. That's, that's who I thought was going to be the, the a applications. Now, Rich, you know, that's a question I want to ask you. Do they have to apply just like um, a regular Mexican carrier down there? Um, the the consensus of the meeting was if they are, like, say, one of the top 100 carriers in the United States and they open a terminal in Mexico, that um, they're going to be treated just as if they were a Mexican-based carrier. Uh, their drivers and their companies will have to go through the the process. The problem, or the I, I say, the problem is, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not you know I'm not 100% behind this. I'm just Reporting on data, you know, um, yeah. but the, the the main thing that I really uh, got through the discussions was <clears throat> that if they are like an American-based carrier, but they have a terminal down there, the right. trucks that are based in Mexico, the drivers are based in Mexico, uh, if they're going to come over into this country, have to meet the same criteria as a Mexican-based carrier. The only difference is right now that we, you know, because we have a driver shortage, quote, unquote, 
and a carrier domiciled in Mexico or in the United States who either has a terminal in Mexico or vice versa has the option of bringing drivers into the United States and applying for work visas and they can operate on the American side in the American trucks um, and everybody knows that there's a lot of Eastern Europeans uh, companies that are being established over here and then they're bringing their drivers in to fill the seats. The only requirement with a work visa is I and I'm not sure of the time frame involved, and, and I noticed James is listening, so he, he may know a little bit more about this than I do. But I, I know that they have to return to their home of origin, um, and then they can reapply and come back. And because the carriers can show to the immigration that there is a, a, a shortage, uh, makes it available for them to get work visas and come over here and drive. The problem with that that they're, they're noticing now is there are certain states that they can apply and get a CDL without any justification of uh, citizenship, and it ends up turning into a regular CDL, and there's nowhere on the C, you know, when they run the license, once it becomes a valid CDL, that it states on there whether they're citizens or not. So literally, they can come over here, they can work under a work visa, go into one of the states that does allow you know, them to get a, a CDL and then just continue to drive and never have to worry about going back and who's going to know the difference. So it's the same exact kind of CDL uh, that they get with the work visa as, as anybody else here who has gone through truck driver school and uh, so forth and to take the test and everything. Same thing, right? Yeah, but but that that's not part of the Mexican. Let me let me be clear here. That's not part of the Mexican program, the pilot program. I'm just saying. Right, that's just part the of the work program. visa. Yeah, they right. can come. There's, I mean, right now it's American domiciled carrier, and he can hire uh, foreign nationals to come in and, and they get a work visa. But the thing is, there are certain states where you can go get your CDL, and once they get that regular CDL, and it's not a non-resident CDL, once they get that regular CDL then there's no differentiation of who's a citizen or who's a, uh, a legal alien or who's an illegal alien. They can drive Well, you made, a, you made a, a, a point, and I find it to be um, very interesting. You said that if the carriers, because of the driver shortage, uh, and they have to, you know, say, well, you know, we can't find uh, drivers and so forth, um, are they checking? I mean, anybody could say that. I mean, is there some kind of paperwork, strict... Uh, you know, follow-ups to prove, uh, show the applicants that you've received? I mean, how do people prove that? I mean, they could just say, hey, I can't find any drivers. There's a driver shortage. Exactly what they're doing. In fact, I had a, car I had a carrier I did some work for, um, and the gentleman was from overseas, and uh, he, you know, all he did was is he got the names of the guys that he was going to bring over here to work, and he took them into the immigration office and simply, you know, filed for immigration for work visas and said he was filling uh, positions within his company that he couldn't fill, you know, with what the current workforce was, and without batting an eye, they, you know, granted everybody work visas as far as I know, and most companies are doing the same thing. You know, they are uh, um, sponsoring, basically, I think is the term to use. They sponsor these people to come over here and drive for them. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to get too far off the, the Mexican cross-border topic, but uh, my 
fear is, and 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 as far as this, this is everything the federal government is doing through this program is pretty much set in stone, and the way it's listed and what they have to go through the requirements to, um, you know, to meet uh, the standards of safety and so forth and so on is a very high bar. And by saying that, you know, the FMCSA, the DOT, the um, uh, federal motor vehicle safety standards and everything else are a very high bar, and they have to meet certain criteria. Um, that's another subject when you talk about foreign national drivers coming over and being sponsored. <clears throat> and part of the spot, I think one of the questions on the sponsorship uh, letter is that they say, you know, uh, what's the reason behind you wanting these drivers? And they basically write in on there, they say, well, if there's a shortage, we can't fill our, our positions. And that's why we want to, you know, we're going outside of the country. And I tell you the truth, I don't think immigration uh, spends a whole lot of time as far as investigating what the true shortage is. I think they just grant the visas. Okay, that that, that was what Ellen and I were talking about earlier. Um, well, yeah, I mean, of course that's what they're doing. Well, I mean, you know, Rich, you said that, you know, there were some pretty heated, heated uh uh, discussions at the meeting. I mean, what what about this driver shortage thing? That thing ever come up? Uh, not really, not really, because the focus of the meeting was on the uh, requirements. Um, it was a basically was a presentation by uh, uh, Bill Quaid from the Federal Motor Carrier to the committee uh, on what standards had been approved and what standards were required and and. Uh, it was it was more, if anything, um, him giving a PowerPoint discussion on what a Mexican carrier has to do. Uh, for instance, um, the motor carrier requirements, basically, uh, to be approved, they have to complete an application. <clears throat> um, the, uh, they have to identify specific drivers for the vehicle programs. In other words, they have to submit each individual driver that's going to be coming across the border. That driver has to go through, a, and the carrier has to go through a safety vetting, a security vetting, a PASA, um, which is basically the uh, uh, pre-approved um, program that they that the the carrier has to pass a um, is. Uh, um, trying to look the name up real quick. I, I, I get so many in, in my business. I see so many. Um, anonyms all the time. Uh, it's like the pre-authorized safety audit is what it is, and they have to go. They have to go through that uh, and pass, which is basically the same as a new entry program that uh, a new carrier in the United States has to go through. Um, it's they're published once they're uh, approved. Um, they go into the federal register. Uh, in fact, I have two federal register notices that came out recently where you can actually make comments to the Federal Register on their approval or if you don't think they should be approved. Their insurance has to be filed with the uh, federal government, um, and it has to meet the same standards as American insurance on liability and so forth and so on. Um, <clears throat> the big thing everybody's discussing is the electronic monitoring devices and they have to go through a complete compliance review, the same as an American trucker. And if the and if they if the carrier meets that, then the carrier is approved. And then they have vehicle requirements. Each vehicle must be approved for participation in vehicles 
every vehicle that is coming to the United States is individually inspected, and it has to meet all the safety ma uh, mandates, the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. EPA is all based on um, 2007 EPA requirements. The trucks have to all meet a 1996 or newer FMVSS, which is Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard. They have to have an electronic monitoring device, which we, you know we're paying for. Uh, yeah. Now, you notice it says electronic monitoring device, and you talk about heated discussion. This was one of them. This does not say an EOBR. It says an electronic monitoring device, GPS locator, okay? Uh -huh. Vehicles must be marked with a USDOT number with an X in the suffix, no oversized, overweight, no courier or delivery services, no towing or cranes are allowed. Vehicles are checked every crossing for the first three months, and they must carry a CVSA decal. And if that vehicle is inspected in the United States and found to be in violation once they're here, that vehicle is shut down and has to be repaired until it brings it back up to the CVSA standard and a current CVSA decal has to be placed in the window or that truck cannot move. Well, you know, once these trucks get rolling, I mean, you know, right now we're only talking like two or three, but, I mean, if this thing takes off and these trucks start coming across the border, all these inspections and everything that you're talking about, you know, that brings up another subject we've discussed, and that's the manpower to do all those inspections. I mean, are they going to have the, the manpower to do such things? Now you're talking about the second heated argument. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I knew that had to be in there somewhere. Yeah, you, were, you know you and I were working towards that when I said inspections. Uh, uh -huh. The committee was made up of 70%, you know, law enforcement. And believe me, when you have 70% DOT cops on the committee, you can just about imagine each one of them <laughs> are complaining about budget constraints and this, that, and oh, the other. Yeah. And the first thing they said, you know, in the meeting was, well, you know, what jurisdiction are we going to have over these trucks to shut them down? And, you know, do we have to tie up our scales? And what happens if it's a piece of, you know, crap truck? And the Mexican owner says, oh, the heck with it, it's not worth fixing. Now you've got a Mexican driver that's in the United States, his truck is shut down, and the boss says, now nah, forget about it, you know, and the next thing you know, who's going to, who's go what's the DOT cop going to do? How's he going to, what's he going to do as far as his jurisdiction over the driver? Does he hold him until ICE comes? Uh, does he turn him over? <laughs> what are they going to do with the trucks, you know? <laughs> And, and, and right. that was a really big stick, sticking point with the DOT guys that says, look, we don't have the manpower right now to babysit these guys. So basically I'm reading between the lines and, and, and discussing between the meetings and during breaks with some of the officers is, yes, you're right. These trucks are going to be abandoned or they're just going to go ahead and they're going to be, um, let's, say a little bit more lenient on the on the inspections of these trucks because they're not going to want them sitting there tying up their space and their property right right and you know and, and donna we've talked about that many times you know and it kind of brings up uh the thought about the cabotage law i mean you know which has already kind of you know taken place we know Did that, that come up did the cabotage law come up at all uh Rich, did they talk about uh, the the trucks, you know, 
just running rampant through the United States. I I heard a very good uh, um, assimilation to cabotage. I think I heard the word like four times through the whole meeting because everybody is assured that these guys are going to be going directly to and directly back. And I brought up, uh, of course, you know, during the meeting, we I wasn't on the committee, so obviously I couldn't, you know, ask questions. And, boy, did I have a lot of them. In fact, I wrote some of them down as I was thinking them. But I brought up in one of the meetings outside during the break I, to these guys, I said, so how are you going to determine the difference with a bill of lading that states that the load was generated in Mexico and the load was delivering here or, you know, so forth and so on. And the guy says, well, the bill of lading will state it. And I handed him, I happened to, you know, have a blind bill of lading with me, and I handed him a bill of lading, and I said, tell me what's wrong with this. And he looked at it, and it said load generated in Mexico and was delivering to a point. I said, who says I can't make up a blind bill of lading and say every load I haul when I'm in the United States isn't uh, made, you know, doesn't generate in, in Mexico. What, how are you going to know the difference if that's the bill of lading I show you? And they looked at me like I was, you know, some kind of three-eyed dragon. You know, what do you mean a blind <laughs> bill of lading? Well, how anybody can go pack a, a, buy a pack of bill of ladings, our company sells them. And you can write anything oh, yeah. on there as consignee and receiver or shipper. So how are they going to find out? Well, the answer, an intelligent individual speaking there, said that the monitoring that if they what they have to notify the port of entry before they get there and they're going to be inspected and their routes and where they're going and where they're coming from is going to be put in to this database and the company there's an independent company that's going to monitor these which we're going to pay for uh i think it's a company called Teletrax. And they're going to track these trucks. And if the track truck gets off route, they're going to notify the nearest enforcement agency that they have a lost truck. And I got thinking to myself, yeah, this is going to really work. Yeah, oh, man. Me. I can see the, I can see the headaches coming out of that. Oh, yeah, I can see them calling. I mean, and, and I hope there's, if there's any law officers listening, um, the terminology I'm about, about to use is my own opinion, and, and I'm not blaming or using the analogy for anybody, but some poor Barney Fife is going to get a phone call from a company called Teletrack and said, you got a Mexican truck off route, and he's yeah. going to know what he's looking for, or he's going to even want to attempt to approach it or anything. And I can see where this could be a real problem Plus, another thing that's in, that brought up, to, if we're talking about discussions, is the qualification of the Mexican drivers. <laughs> oh, boy, this is a good one. Now, the drivers themselves will have to go through, um, it has to be approved to participate by driver's name. He must have an LF or a CDL. He must not have driving violations that would disqualify him in the U.S., like when you do your annual review and summary of qualification, in other words, you get their driver's record every year, he can't have any disqualifying. He has to complete an ELP assessment during PASA, the Pre-Authorization Safety Audit, ELP, English Language Proficiency. So he has to convince the DOT officer during the PASA that he can speak English, and this is the part that really gets me. Daily reviews of his driver's license status. So 
every Mexican driver in the United States, the Federal Motor Carrier is saying under the rules of the, uh, of the Office of the Inspector General, has to have their driver's license checked every day. Now, three oh, yeah, carriers approved. We're talking right. maybe, you know, 20 drivers at this point. What happens if 500 companies decide to do this, and we're talking thousands of drivers, which is hypothetical, I understand. But who is going to sit in the Federal Motor Carrier Office or wherever and run daily driver's license statuses from a country that probably has one of the worst record-keeping systems because they, you do know in Mexico multiple license is allowed by law. Yeah, I think we'd heard that. And but who's to say which license they're they're handing in? Who knows which license? The, the good the good one with nothing on it, or or the or the one that's gonna you know Absolutely. put them out of business. And that's, and, and that's the problem because it, it said right in there that the driver. Um, and, and let me get my notes right here, and I'll read exactly what they said. Um, the The drivers, <clears throat> Mexicans have multiple driver's license. FMCSA will ask Mexican employers and will investigate only the ones they tell them, and it's the same with the drivers. The drivers will surrender the license that they want to to the FMCSA, and the FMCSA does not have a cooperative agreement with all the individual states that issue license in Mexico to be able to go and run a background check on their licenses. So, of course, they're going to give them their good one. We did that 20 years ago in the trucking business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, law enforcement, everybody, I mean, they're, they're so hammered down anyway. They don't have time to do this. I mean, two or three trucks, 20 drivers, like you said, maybe. But doesn't this doesn't this program – isn't it set up to bring in like 300 drivers per year? So by the end of the end of the three years, or trucks. So by the end of the three years, there'll be like 900. Think you couldn't get anybody to commit to a number. They can't what? You couldn't get anybody to commit to a number. Oh really? Oh no, no, no. Because they're basing everything on the initial. Because I think I think they really thought they would have them like lining up at the border. Yeah. And they're not getting the response that they had. And I can tell you why. I mean, and this was talking, and I talked to the gentleman from Mexico, um, and the gentleman from Mexico told me himself that um, the Mexican government and the Mexican drivers are uh, almost humiliated at the fact that the Americans are setting such high standards and on their drivers that, um, it, you know, they kind of have the the opinion of the American truck driver. It's not worth it. Yeah. yeah, well, let me ask you real real quick. I have to take a quick break here real quick. But Eddie in the, in the chat room has a question for you. Um, he wants to know, are, are the USA drivers subject to Mexican HOS regulations and vice versa when they cross the borders? Absolutely. The Mexican, the American drivers, and okay, first of all, the American drivers have to be fluent in Spanish, okay, to go to Mexico. Okay. 
That's the first thing. The second thing is they are they have the same requirements. The companies that want to go to Mexico from the United States, and there was a there was a gentleman there named Steve who happened to be in Mexico City, and they had a Skype telephone, and he was there with a Mexican official currently applying to go to Mexico, and his drivers all have to be, speak Spanish. All we have uh, any of our trucks that go down there have to. Uh, go by Mexican regulations as well, and we have to stop at the border and have the Mexicans inspect our trucks before we go to Mexico. I guess they don't want us hauling uh, guns down to the Mexicans, um, and, and I guess I don't know what they're going to take down there, baggies to wrap and, and trash bags to wrap the pot to bring back to the United States, I guess. But we have to stop at the border and go through everything, and, and our American drivers and American trucking companies have to do the same thing on the Mexican side to get approved to go to Mexico. Um, and I really, at this point, don't see the line on the border with the nose of the hoods pointing south, same as the ones coming north. There's, you know, there's not a big line or a waiting list to get approval for this. So. You know, I mean, what do you go? What, what do you think the American drivers on the border are going to use? They're going to basically use Hispanic drivers. Oh sure, yeah. Which which many of them have have made it very clear that they're not going to go into Mexico. Yeah, exactly. And 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 you know, it was brought <laughs> up. One of the gentlemen at the meeting, while the gentleman was on the uh, teleconference, he asked him, he says, what what um, security are you going to put in place for your drivers when you go down there? Well, the guy is sitting there in front of the, you know, the, the Mexican government. Obviously, he's not going to admit that there's a security issue while the guy's trying to get approved. And he sure. basically said, we don't feel that there's going to be an issue, but yet the federal motor carrier determined that they're sending DOT officers to Mexico in pairs and making the Mexican carriers come to a safe and secure location to do their passes because they're not going to go out into the boondocks and do these uh, you know, pre-authorized safety audits. But the answer to the gentleman's question, yes, the American trucking companies have to meet the same requirements on the other side of the border as what we're requiring the Mexican drivers and companies to do to come here. Okay, all right. I, uh, you know, was assumed, assuming that that was the uh, the case. So, uh, all right, listen, quick break, and we'll be right back with our guest, Rich Wilson of TransProducts.com, and our discussion on NAFTA update. So we will be right back. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Don't go anywhere. Alan will be right back. Hey truckers, are you tired of not being able to find a place to take a break? Are the truck stops and rest areas full at night, or you just want to take a break from the sleeper? Hotelsfortruckers.org will help you find a hotel where you can fit in. Choose from thousands of trucker-friendly hotels across America that accommodates a 75-foot-long tractor-trailer, and you can get great discounts and specials through Hotelsfortruckers.org. And if you're traveling with a pet or a smoking preference or need laundry facilities, the free information on the website includes an extensive database to locate the address, phone number, and direct web links to the hotels. And if you use a hotel room at least one time per year, 
then you can take advantage of the $10 annual membership, which allows easy access to view hotels, which offer additional CDL trucker discounts, nationwide hotel chain discounts, and even room coupon specials. Hotelsfortruckers.org's database is comprised of the most extensive list of properties that offer the most needed trucker amenities. So visit the website today, hotelsfortruckers.org, to find the hotel that is right for you. Hotels for Truckers was built by a trucker for truckers to help you get in where you fit in. That's hotels, the number four, truckers.org. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. You know, I get a lot of emails from drivers just coming into the industry, and many of them have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. I started Truth About Trucking and AskTheTrucker.com with one major goal in mind, and that was to provide honest and reliable information about the trucking industry, especially to those just beginning their careers in professional truck driving. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that keeps America moving, and if you're considering starting your own owner-op business, there's only one name you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final truck payment, they hand over the title. It's that simple. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month, and sometimes even less. They have a great inventory to choose from, which includes Peterbilt's, Volvo's, Internationals, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to switch motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys with the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. Hollered, Big John's coming. Save yourself and run. Don't hesitate. Contemplate. Save yourself and don't slow down. Don't grab your stuff. Ain't time enough. Big John's coming to town. Big John's coming to town. Big John's coming to This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. I, we can't hear you. Oh, okay. Here I am. Okay. Yeah, there you are. 
Yeah, see, what you need to do, Rich, is you've got to turn on your mic. So. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Okay, sorry. I'm new at this panel I got here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, I was saying that, uh, you know, you were talking about, you know, the carriers, the Mexican carriers weren't happy with all these restrictions and everything, but you uh, had also mentioned that um, maybe, they, you know, they're not really too happy with having the American carriers down in their country anyway. Where? Uh, what was this all about? Um, well, apparently, uh, and James Linden in the in, in, in the blog, or he's sitting there um, in the comment room that I'm looking at. He asked if Kanakar was uh, uh, there at the um, meeting. Kanakar was not there at the meeting. Nobody from Kanakar Kanakar was. And from what I talked to the gentleman from Mexico, he said Kanakar is a hundred percent against this. They don't want anything to do with it. Um, you know, they don't want American trucks coming down there because they have the same concerns that they're going to come down there and take the freight because shippers in Mexico are going to have a tendency to want to use the American trucks because, you know, just the fact that they're better, they're newer, um, and, uh, you know, they're more reliable and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's going to be the opinion of, the, of some of the shippers in the area. So they're, you know, they're kind of in a state of protectionism as well, you know, with their uh, owner operators and their carriers. And um, so they really don't want them down there either. Um, the, the gentleman from Mexico, I, I'm, I'm sorry, his name slipped my mind. Uh, but anyway, he gave up and gave us and gave a, a talk about it. And one of the things that it was curious, I was very curious that he brought up was the opinion or of the Mexican government on um, the fact that the American government put all these restrictions on, and they felt that the American government was came to Mexico and was running the Mexico, basically telling them how to run their DOT, and they were not very happy with the fact that the American government was coming down there and was the one that was in charge of this with no cooperation, no agreement. Uh, there hadn't any been anybody sat down with them, no bilateral uh, communication, uh, you know, of an agreement on a set of standards that it was American way or no way. Uh, and, and Mexico was, was sort of appalled to that. Well, and I kind of have a feeling that they're probably right in in their belief. And, and Donna, we were talking about this earlier. You know, this thing is uh, barely getting started, and it's already getting started on the wrong foot. And and that's just the beginning. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when you when you look at it that way, I mean, if it's starting like this now, boy, phew, what a um, what a nightmare going down. Um, you know, I, I just, Rich, I, I know I've asked you this at least ten times. But I know um, uh, many, most of the listeners uh, tonight, the drivers anyway, uh, their biggest concern, and it has been, uh, has been jobs. And um, is any of this going to affect jobs? And the first thing I just want to ask is, with all the requirements coming in, do the American companies who have a terminal in Mexico, do they have to apply the same as a Mexican company who has to apply and go through this pilot program? Or is there some kind of a, um, you know, uh, something, an amendment or something in the in, in the agreement that says, well, you know, you're grandfathered in or something like that? 
um, you know, if it's a like uh, if it's an American domiciled carrier that you know from the United States and they have terminals down currently in Mexico, um, the general consensus I got the question to be quite honest with you was never directly answered. Uh, or was even acknowledged the fact that there is American companies in Mexico, tell you the truth. They were basically talking about people that are applying to get into the pilot program. Um, and so, I, you know, to answer your question, the indicators that I got talking to people was the fact that, you know, American domiciled carriers that are based in the United States but have terminals in Mexico uh, aren't part of this pilot program. This pilot program is basically for carriers that are based out of Mexico, from Mexico, and just want to bring product out of Mexico and deliver in the United States and then haul product back towards the border. Um, so they aren't so, part uh, of the you know, pilot answer, program? Huh? They are not part of the pilot program? No, 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 they are not. Everybody I talked to said that they were not part of the pilot program that this pilot program, the cross-border, is for Mexican domiciled carriers to come into the United States and vice versa. Now, saying that, does the, Ameri if, if, does the American domiciled carrier that has a terminal or a Mexican division, is the Mexican division now a part of the pilot program and has to apply and do the Americans have to apply? I yes. don't know that answer because that wasn't discussed. Uh, this was all discussed on uh, basically the pilot program is on carriers that are currently not coming in and running in the United States. And, you know, um, I tried to discuss this with a couple people, including the gentleman from the ATA, and I couldn't get a straight answer. So I don't know if, you know, I don't know the answer. Okay, because if that's the case, I'd like to know what what is the criteria that um, you know uh, dictates who is eligible for the pilot program, or even who has to uh, you know be a part of the pilot program, or who is exempt from the pilot program. And I think that's something that we'd all like to know. Well, one one of the examples that I used was like UPS and FedEx, because I know UPS has terminals, and you know they have people in Mexico and you know they fly the uh packages and stuff to the, like Mexico City and then it's put on and it's delivered now UPS is an American domiciled company but they have people down there now do the people in Mexico for UPS don't come across the border unless I'm sure they probably have uh uh maybe they have ground freight that crosses the border to a, a terminal right over the border within the international zone maybe they do that uh but you know UPS and FedEx are both in Mexico but they use Mexico uh Mexican citizens as employees and they do you know LTL delivery um, so based on that, I'm going to say no, they probably aren't going to be bringing loads of, you know, packages on trucks into the United States and taking them up to a, uh, a distribution center. I'm sure UPS and FedEx probably develop a, UP, or a, a terminal, you know, right there at the border. So I don't think that that's the type of people these they're talking about. I think they're talking about companies that do not have um, terminals in either place that are based out of Mexico, trucking companies and trucking companies based in the United States that want to go down there 
and you know take product to the uh, man you know maybe parts down to uh, assembly plant or something like that um you know they really didn't go into the specifics of a domiciled american carrier that had terminals down there okay and and what about the um the the companies that buy up um mexican companies and aren't they just considered a mexican company now they now have a uh, a, a mexican uh dot number and and well it's not a dot number whatever number they have but you get my point um you know what what are they classified i i think the the whole thing is classification at this point in order to you know determine who is going to be part of the pilot program or not so what about those companies you know they just gobble up a, a mexican company and now they're a mexican company themselves that would be a good question to ask uh, the uh, office of the inspector general because it wasn't discussed at the meeting at all Everything in the meeting was discussed about companies that, that had never been here before that wanted to come here. So uh, that is a good question. The thing is, uh, I don't know who you, who, you know, the way they're avoiding certain things. I don't know. You get a straight answer. <laughs> well, you just have to keep beating that dead horse, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's probably is an answer and a regulatory answer and everything else for that. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, if they buy a, a Mexican carrier out uh, to get their DOT number, and that DOT number hasn't been approved to come into the United States, then you know, by regulatory guidance of, of the regulations, I'm going to say no. You know, they can't just buy somebody to get a Mexican DOT number. Now, if they bought a company that was, say, they went through the cross border and they were approved and they got issued their DOT number, and then a big company bought them out then it would behoove the big company to buy out a Mexican carrier whose number was approved because, like I said, after the end of the three years, at the end of the three-year pilot program, whatever company in Mexico is approved during that three years, that carrier will have permanent operating status in the United States. So a big carrier probably would go buy up a company that was approved uh, because then they wouldn't have to go through the headache of getting the company approved. Okay. Yeah, now when when did they start accepting applications? Um, let's see. It was, uh, I think, hold on, uh, let me go back up here. Uh, Polycrew, July 8th. Wow. Back in July. And there's only three. And there's only been, what, a total of six that applied? Yeah, so far. Six that applied and two that I can verify that have been approved. And I've heard there is a third that is going to be approved. I mean, it could have been approved, but they haven't. I mean, I've been monitoring the Federal Register, and right now the two carriers that have been approved, and in fact, uh, uh, Wednesday, September 14th, there was a notice um, of the uh, one company that was approved, which is um transportes olympic sadcv whatever that means i'm sure somebody from mexico or california could probably explain that to me and then the other company that has been approved which was on september the 12th was grupo bar de baja california they're I'll the just two over. currently have been approved and i ran the uh um, CSA, SMS on both carriers, 
and both carriers have uh, are very respectable as far as their uh, CSA ratings. Um, the Transportes Olympic has had no inspections, no out of services, no violations. Well, guess what? They probably haven't come to the United States. Grupo Bear de Baja is from California. They have a California-based terminal. They've had 38 total inspections, 36 vehicle with a 28% out of service rate, 39% driver inspections with a zero out of service rate. So it looks to me like the ones that are applying are the better of, of the carriers, you know, that have a good safety record at right now with the current ones. Yeah, well, plus being kind of just right over the border, they they have a better understanding of the uh, you know the U.S. restrictions and all that good stuff. What was the um, well, so what was the overall? What was the main I don't know lesson or whatever you want to call it that you that you uh, you know took away from this meeting? Well, one of the questions that was brought up was um, the approved participants. Um, uh, you know, were the applicable were are required to comply with all applicable U.S. laws and regulations. Such uh, concerns were um, custom laws. You know, they had the same customs laws. Uh, yes, all custom laws are in effect with all carriers. Immigration laws, all current immigration laws for the drivers are in effect. Vehicle regulation requirements are, like I said, 1996 or newer, EPA standards of 2007. Vehicle uh, fuel taxation, they have to report and pay all fuel taxes just like American truckers. <laughs> they asked them if they were going to have to pay UCRA. Nobody knew that answer. Um, and 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 so forth and so on, you know. So if they got to have a hut sticker, they got to have a KYU number, they got to go through everything that uh, our drivers go through. But Todd Spencer brought up a very very good point. Now they're coming up here with older trucks, and currently in Mexico, they do not use low sulfur diesel. They use regular standard diesel. And what's going to happen with these trucks when they come up here? and have to start using low-sulfur diesel? Is there going to be um, uh, problems with the engines uh, and stuff like that using our low-sulfur? And, you know, like, are, we go are they going to report their fuel tax like our carriers do? And are we going to reimburse them all of their money because they're a Mexican uh, carrier where, you know, our driver, our companies have to pay, you know, if they don't buy enough fuel, that they have to pay the individual state taxes and so forth, um, that type of thing. You know, uh, there was a lot of questions about that. About and one of the and the gentleman from Mexico said that some of the carriers were planning, and you're going to like this one, putting extra fuel tanks so they could carry extra uh, regular standards high sulfur diesel. Well, if that's the case, <laughs> then they're not planning on going too far over the border. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing. What's going to happen to the American trucks that have the 2010-2011 EPA standards, you know, with the blue juice and the regens, and get down there and get high sulfur diesel? Right. Well, I think, I, I, you know, again, I think the reason we're, we've only seen, uh, you know, six applications in two months, 
I mean, I've I've been down in Mexico. I can't, you know, certainly not an expert on their EPA and stuff, but, you know, I, I saw a lot down there. I, I just think these carriers are just sitting back thinking, well, you know what, we, you know, we're not going to be able to uh, handle these U.S. standards anyway. Yeah, um, you know, and the thing about it is the, the gentleman from Mexico, I think his name was Samos or something like that, uh, he made a couple comments that I, I'd like to share with the listening audience that was kind of a little bit disturbing was the opinion from the Mexican government. One of the yeah. opinions was open the borders and the best one will win. Uh, I found that a little disturbing. Um, wow. And he said it, things are getting better, you know, whatever that means. Um, Mexicans are in the worst position doing business in the U.S. than the U.S. is doing business in Mexico. And how would you feel about another country coming into America and telling you what to do? And um, the and they asked him what the advice was of the Mexican Mexican government, if they could give their advice to the United States. More bilateral discussions with the Mexican government and coming up with an equal. Um, set of standards that both countries could agree on that would make it uh, more likely feasible for more Mexican truckers to apply and what uh, and, and, and make it easier for Americans to go to Mexico and that's when the question was asked well we understand that the Mexican carriers don't want the United States carriers down in Mexico so what would stop the Mexican government from putting unrealistic standards you know to keep them out and you know he's and and he looked at the guy that asked him the question. He says, "Let me tell you, your standards are a lot tougher than ours." Well, yeah. Well, so, we kind of knew that one, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. That was that's kind of a given. But I mean, this thing, <laughs> this thing, isn't sounding too good to me, Rich. No, and 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 I'm going to tell you something. I, I the one thing I have to say that there was a comment uh, that was made. Um, by Mr. Quaid from the FMCSA that was a, a little bit uh, um, concerning as far as a lot of the people there at the meeting, that the federal motor carrier is more worried about the safety of the Mexican trucks than they are concerned with the security of the United States. And I thought that remark in itself was scary because their job, basically what he meant was their job is to make sure that the trucks coming into the United States are safe and not, you know, really as concerned with the security of the American people with the kind of stuff they're either bringing in here. Uh, and that's not really their job is DOT compliance and safety and not security. Well, if they're not going to be secure, um, then where was Homeland Security during this? Where, you know, where was uh, Napolitano? Where was anybody? that was dealing with security and when the question was asked what are you going to you know what kind of guarantee is Mexico going to give the United States carriers that are coming down there that the citizens of the United States will be safe and protected and he basically said there there's no guarantee of any kind of protection and you know what the point he used was the Mexican carriers going and delivering in Detroit are at the same risk as a Mac American going to Tijuana. <laughs> yeah, the only difference is there's not going to be too many Americans going to Tijuana. Hopefully. Well, I mean, the the other part of that too is, I mean, you know your, you, you know what to avoid in in Detroit. 
Um, there's all there's all kinds of other things going on in Mexico. You know, you don't you don't have the underground and the cartel and all that. It's a, it's comparing apples with oranges. Yeah. Well, well and, and another thing uh, on that same point, um, during you know you, these conferences, you get a lot more done out outside. That's why you never quit smoking because at least at these conferences, you get to go outside and have a cigarette and talk to people off the record. And one of the things that 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 I found was a general concern was. Um, and, and somebody that's familiar with Mexico can probably explain this. I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be. I'm just repeating conversations that were made, was there's a high risk of kidnapping, um, kind of, you know, where because somebody drives for a big one, you know, top 100 carrier or this, that, and the other, that, you know, what happens if the driver is hijacked or the driver is kidnapped and held for ransom by a cartel, are the big American carriers going to, uh, you know, pay ransoms like the uh, uh, shipping companies do over in Somalia? And and oh well, that's not going to happen. And and the guy asked, you know, the counter asked the question. He says, well, you know, how do you know that's going to happen? There's American business people right now that are being hijacked and being uh, kidnapped, and they steal their laptop and they find out who they're emailing, and they email to the people on the laptop that they have this person and send them, you know, money or they're going to kill them. And, you know, when you're driving up and down the road in a rental car in Mexico, you're not as high profile as a guy running up and down the road in a great big century, uh, you know, a freight liner with a 53-foot trailer. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb if you're an American carrier. Well, sure. Sure. Well, the security issue is a whole other issue. I mean, you know, we've all heard that, and, you know, uh, La Pop, what's her name? What Homeland Security gal? Uh, yeah, uh, Napolitano. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she recently stated that uh, you know our borders are you know as safe as they've been, as safe as safer than they've ever been. So <laughs> I don't know, Donna. You know, we talked about this security thing a lot. You know, I mean, you know, that's another show, I guess. Well, well who's, that's who's, the show who's, we did with um, with um, Dr. Orocha and, um, and yeah. Delgado. I mean, they both agreed that it, you know, it wasn't safe, but it doesn't look like we're going to have a lot of people, you know, going down there anyway. It looks like the people that are going to be going down there are going to be Mexicans driving back and forth anyway that, you know, are used to driving there. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. And that's why I was kept bringing up the job thing before to you, Richard, because that's what I see happening. Drivers care about jobs. That's all, you know, pretty much what they're worried about. Yeah, we're all worried about our national security. But what they're concerned about is their jobs. And um, from this conversation that we've had, what I see is uh, the continuous cry of driver shortage uh, when, by the way, I mean, we get plenty of emails saying that, you know, hey, I can't get hired, um, which tells us there isn't a driver shortage. Um, yes, yeah, so they call it qualified driver shortage, which, you know, I'd have to look into that. I mean, I don't know if I buy that all that much either. But it looks to me like uh, just what we said in that show we did about two or three months ago with James Linden and Dr. Rocha and um, uh, the fellow Delgado, that this is a way to keep wages down by um, having saying, hey, there's a driver shortage. I need to hire these, uh, you know, um, these nationals, uh, and they come in at lower wages. So, I mean, sure. I, it all, it just kind of all is meshing together. There's a lot of pieces 
to the puzzle that we all have to be able to um, figure out and, you know, it, it starts to make sense. I'm sure this is going to be one of the discussions that comes up uh, at the convention um, next month. Uh, there's a lot of people concerned about it, so it's good that we had a head start tonight. Yeah, uh, and and you yeah. know what? I, the thing about it is, you know, the 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 idea of the Mexicans coming in and and you know climbing out of their trucks and getting a job in the United States is, you know, that's not that. You know, uh, let's put it to you this way: if I was a guy that wanted to come to the United States and immigrate here illegally or otherwise, um, you know, and I got a job with a trucking company, you know. They're spending five, you know, two to five thousand dollars to come here now illegally and be brokered into the country. You know, if I really wanted to, and I was a driver down there, and I, you know, could get, you know, with the <clears throat> excuse the expression, lackadaisical attitude of giving them a good license and getting a job and coming over here, what's going to say that I don't deliver my load in, uh, you know, uh, Fort Dodge, Iowa, and then just climb out of the truck and get lost, you know? Um, it's sure. probably a lot cheaper to drive a truck and come into the country and disappear than it is to try to come across the river. You don't have to deal with the border, the border guards, or you know anything. And and I and I think that's you know and and that wasn't discussed. That's a personal opinion. Um, but like I said, going back to the police officers, the manpower they don't even have. You know, uh, nobody could answer them on what jurisdictional. Um, requirements do they have, or what law, and are they covered under immigration law to uh, hold one of these people? And where at a scale if they find a guy that's illegal? And right now we know there's drivers in this country that are illegal aliens that are driving trucks. And the thing about it is they're not checking their immigration status at the scales. So what's going to change? Are they going to change? You know, check these people, or are they going to you know any more enforcement? Enfor you know, our our truck enforcement guys aren't immigration people. That's not their job, and they'll tell you that. And and that's what I think is going to be a problem. I don't think right now it's so easy for an American trucking company to hire somebody that's from you know a foreign national and come to work for them. That maybe that's where some of the laws need to be tightened up. You know. Uh, make it not as easy for, you know, people. And I, don't get me wrong, I don't have anything personal against somebody from a foreign country wanting to come to this country and drive a truck and make a living and, you know, come to the land of the, you know, the you know, cornucopia of, pro of prosperity or anything, you know, wants to do better with their life. All I'm saying is, you know, they're using the fact that there's driver shortages, but yet the federal government, our own federal government is making the standards tougher on drivers and driver health we all know that they're making uh the it harder to work with the you know changing of the hours of service more regulations 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 um you know it's just like the the thing that's on fox news right now and some of the other programs that have been on and blogs that have been on you know about how much regulations are going to cost this country economically and our own government is putting more regulations all the time and making it harder and making less people want to stay in the industry. So they're falling right into into the pit of creating driver shortages and making uh, jobs available for other people. And, yes, they're probably coming in and working cheaper, you know. So, I yeah. mean, it, it, it's the whole thing is I think it's out of control. I mean, and this is just one more aspect of it 
that's going to create a lot of availability of empty seats in the country, and we're giving them the opportunity to come here and get a job. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I hear from drivers every day through email or something, you know, driving 30, 40 years, uh, you know, had enough, calling it quits. I mean, too many regulations, bogging them down, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Well, we'll keep an eye on it, and I'm glad you'll be there, uh, our regulatory expert speaker there at the the convention, so I'll be looking forward to that. But our time is uh, winding down. But, Richard, thanks for coming back on the program. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. I appreciate you all having me, and uh, if anybody has any questions, they they, – they can email me at rich.wilson at transproducts.com, and I'll try to answer any questions that any of the listeners have. Uh, and if I don't know it, I darn sure know how to look it up and find somebody that does. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. We'll be talking with you. Okay. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. All right. Rich Wilson of transproducts.com, regulatory expert, the go-to guy. Uh, he, I mean, he knows he knows his stuff. Uh Listen, take a quick break. We'll be right back to uh, wrap it up here on this evening on uh, Truth About Trucking Live. Be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com. Remember the late 60s and the 1970s when songs about trucking, the truck driver, and the trucking way of life was all over the radio? Songs like Six Days on the Road, Teddy Bear, and of course the number one hit by C.W. McCall, Convoy. Well, the lifestyle of the American trucker is once again making its way into the world of music and the dreams that legends are made of. Songwriters Barry Allen and David Ayers of Allen and Ayers Productions, along with artist John Johnson, have produced the first music CD since the mid-70s dedicated to all the men and women of trucking. The CD is a savvy, up-to-date collection of original songs relating to present-day issues that truckers face on a daily basis. Songs like Don't Get Hooked on Dak, The Trucking Brand, Say a Prayer for Jason, and of course the smash hit, when the Big Rigs Don't Roll. Be sure to get your copy of When the Big Rigs Don't Roll CD, or you can download just the songs that you want. Just visit askthetrucker.com, and you'll find the music player right on our website. Individual songs are only 99 cents each, or to receive the entire collection, just a small cost of only $15. The hard copy of the CD is scheduled to be released in August 2010. These are all new, original trucking songs that will keep you running down the highway, saluting all of our nation's truckers who keep America moving. When the Big Rigs Don't Roll Trucking CD Release, produced by Allen and Ayers Productions. Yeah, it's a great CD. That's what we use here on our little intros here. Uh, you can just go to com and you'll see a button up there for the Big Rigs Fun, and you can get the CD right from there, which also helps uh, Hope Rivenberg with uh, Jason's Law and everything that she does for that. And uh, good show this evening, Donna. I guess, what, do you have some announcements for us? Yeah, it was a great show. Um I really enjoyed it. I always uh, enjoy it when uh, Rich comes on. He's just so knowledgeable. Yeah, he is. 
and uh, looking forward to seeing him again next month. Um, yeah, I do have a few announcements. Um, last week was a huge success in the um, national call-in for Jason's Law. Um, we all called in the um, Transportation Committee, and we told them that we want Jason's Law included in the transportation bill. And from the feedback we got back, a lot, a lot of callers, they were um, bombarded. Uh, at the time we called, um, <clears throat> the bill was going to run out. Um, there still was no, you know, no new bill because it ended on um, September, September 30th. But there was a press release, and uh, September 30th. <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, we're in September. Huh? Yeah, it's, it was going to run out on September. Oh, 30th. okay. I guess. Yeah. And so, if they didn't have a new bill, you know, we're we were, um, you know, looking at another extension. Yeah. Well, there was a press release. Um, let's see. Uh, House approves the FAA and surface transportation extension. So, uh, there was an, another extension, HR two eight eight seven, introduced in the House by the Transportation Committee Chairman John L. Micah. And uh, so that's going to be uh, – it authorizes the FAA programs through January 30th, 2012, at the current funding levels. And the current extension authorizes the FAA programs, and it, it, it expires at the end of um, this week. So anyway, um, there was an extension. There was a press release on that, and we'll continue making our phone calls and um, urging everyone – uh, to include Jason's Law for more safe truck parking. Uh, like I said, I mean, they they really said they were – now, they didn't just tell us. There was other people that, you know, I think Hope and I think Desiree said that they, um, you know, they had said something to her. So, you know, they, they had a lot of phone calls coming in. Matter of fact, we received an email um, from uh, Zach Tronte, and he said that he takes the concerns into consideration, and uh, he takes it very serious. And uh, they uh, will look into the highway reauthorization bill and so forth. So it just uh, keeps rolling along, huh? It, it does, and that's what happens when you don't go away, and people think you're just going to give up and go away. And we don't go away, and um, and Hope Rivenberg doesn't go away, and that's for sure. And she's um, she's great inspiration. You know, not just for for this, for for truck parking, and Jason's law, but for the whole idea of perseverance and doing what you believe in, and uh, and not giving up. And I think uh, I think she is a, a great inspiration to a lot of people for that. Sure. Um, the NTSB has some uh, a trucker cell phone ban. Uh, they're they're seeking. Um, the FMCSA to create a ban on truckers using cell phones, and that would include the uh, headsets also. So even though they don't, they can't, you know, create any laws. They can suggest them. Um, commercial truck drivers are banned from using cell phones and texting. However, they can use, um, you know, hands-free. Hands-free. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we'll see how uh, how that goes. I don't know. You know, I mean, heck, you know, you use a CB, you got to use a hand for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they may not consider the CB a big, important thing going down the road. 
But, well, I mean, if you can use a CB, why not a wireless headset on your ear where you're not even touching it? So yeah, I don't I see any problem with the hands-free. I, no, a lot of people don't, so um, I think that one's going to be a tough one uh, to convince people. Um, anyway, uh, very exciting, you know. Okay, uh, we're a month away from the convention, and we've spoken so much about it because we've been very excited about it. And we had the deadline for um, – what was the last deadline? The first of September, and we we called the um, the gold strike, and we explained to them, you know, drivers, they 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 want an extension, they can't commit until the end of September and early October. So anyway, they have been so accommodating and understanding um, that we've been able to extend that to October fifth. Um, and a lot of people are very, very glad. Matter of fact, we've had a lot of sign-ups this week just because of that, and a lot of people saying they'll be signing up next week. Uh, they just have to confirm where they're going to be and so forth. So anyway, um, the convention's a, a month from today. Uh, it's to unite, honor, network, and bring about awareness, and there will be awareness. Um, we do have um, some major coverage uh, that is going to cover the event, and I can't say right now who it's going to be, but um, it is a major uh, publication. So we're really excited about that. Uh, this was our last week. Um, tomorrow is the very last day uh, to bring on new sponsors, and we had a bunch of new sponsors this week at the very last minute. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name them, and we're very grateful to them. The new bronze sponsors, uh, CarrierCentral.com, uh, they're a carrier directory and load board. Real Women in Trucking, another bronze sponsor, uh, that's Desiree Wood's uh, uh, blog. And Tarps and Beyond, um, they pretty much, just, just what it says, Tarps and Beyond, they pretty much sell everything. You've got to go see that website, it's incredible. Uh, Restore Solutions. Uh, which is the XFT product, actually, that um, Alan did his research on that he had such good results on um, just about a year ago. So uh, Restore Solutions. Uh, those are our bronze sponsors. Um, now, silver sponsor. Actually, our two new silver sponsors were bronze sponsors, and now they're silver. And we'd like to welcome Trans Products and Services, which is um, uh, Rich Wilson, who, who he works with, and they'll be uh, represented at the convention by Rich, who's our uh, regulatory speaker there. So, And Lone Mountain Truck was a bronze sponsor, and they've just come up to silver. And we just, you know, we're just very, very grateful for all the support of all these people. And tonight, we have a new gold sponsor. We had only one. We now have two. Hotels for Truckers, uh, org. Um was a bronze sponsor, and right before the show, I spoke to Dan Fuller, the owner, and he is ecstatic to become uh, a, a gold sponsor. So um, a lot of last minute. It was the last week, and and they've all come on board with us, and we're we're very very grateful. Again, um, unite, network, and bring a, about awareness, and that's the key thing: awareness, awareness to the general public on these issues. And uh, to get people to understand, you know, to, drivers can come to the open forum, uh, bring up their questions, their well-thought-out questions, and, and it will be all, um, all on tape. And uh, we're happy about that. Uh, let's see. I, I, I've, all, I've told you many times who we're going to have. We have Paul Taylor. 
uh, Legal Trucking Employment Law, Eddie Gachui, uh, Trip Sheet Central for the Business Management, Trucking Jobs with James McCormick, Regulatory Ridge Wilson, Social Media, Landon Middleton. Um, we're going to have the live entertainment. Uh, our special guest, Kyla Lieberg of Truckers Against Trafficking. She's going to be there. Hope Rivenberg of Jason's Law. David Ayers and Barry Allen, the uh, songwriters for the CD, When the Big Rigs Don't Roll, the song Say a Prayer for Jason, and the Human Trafficking Awareness song, I'm Not for Sale. Um, you have meals, entertainment. I mean, this is a, a you, you better take your Wheaties or eat your Wheaties in the morning uh, because it's an all-day uh, affair going on over here, and uh, we're going to have a great time. I just want to quickly run by all our sponsors. Our platinum sponsor is Dancing Skeleton Productions. Our gold sponsors are Hajian and Hotels for Truckers. Our silver is Pilot, Flying J, AirDoc, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, Trans Products and Services, Bronze is Idle Air, The Load Post, Driver Source, Restore Solutions, CarrierCentral.com, Truckers Form, Trucker to Trucker, Elida, Zada Corporation, Aries Manufacturing, Cobra, Truck Drivers Money Saving Tips, Transport Design Inc., uh, Aeroflow, Real Women in Trucking, and Tarps and Beyond. And we thank each and every one of them uh, very, very much for supporting the professional CDL driver at their first annual Truck Driver Social Media Convention in Tunica, Mississippi, next month, October 15th. It's a Saturday. Get online. Get your tickets in uh, truckingsocialmedia.com. And and get your seat, you know. Don't wait any longer. Just just get in there because uh, it's it's really going to be fantastic. We're very very excited. That's it, Alan. That's it. All right. <laughs> I, I could go on and on, but you know, I don't want I don't want to, uh, you know. That's all right. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. We are winding down the time here, and uh, thanks for listening in and tuning in. Uh, check out truckingsocialmedia.com. Love to have you at the convention. Uh, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Uh, drive safe, everybody, and again, thanks for listening. Badly DOT, dispatcher on me. High fuel, crazy rules, flat tire, no tools. Traffic jam, flim flam, run around my Uncle Sam. Cheap freight, overweight, they say I'm always running late. NAFTA, messy bucks, coffee from a thermos mug. Four
job is tough, but truckers are too. We can haul this freight to Timbuktu. So just hitch it up, get out of the way. We can take the heat and earn our pay. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.